What a beautiful song. Good to be back with you, and thank you, Dan and Bess, for your uh, warm reception this morning. And um, it's been some time since I was here, I guess quite a few years. I remember some of you from back then, and then other friends I certainly know. But it's good to see you this morning. My wife, Linda, is here on the back row. She says, if you're sitting on the front, I'm sitting back here without somebody else. So that's all right. <laughs> this scripture this morning... The first scripture comes from the book of 1 Kings, chapter 8. I'll be reading not the whole thing. I'm going to just read um, starting with chapter, I'm sorry, with verse 28. Chapter 8, verse 28. You have regard to the prayer of thy servant, to the supplication, O Lord my God, to listen to the cry and to the prayer which thy servant prays before thee today. By the way, Solomon is dedicating the temple and all the glory and great things going on around him. That thy eyes may be open toward this house night and day, toward the place of which thou hast said, My name shall be there to listen to the prayer which thy servant shall pray toward this place. And listen to the supplication of thy servant and of thy people Israel. When they pray toward this place, hear thou in heaven thy dwelling place near and forgive. The gospel reading is from Luke chapter 5, beginning with verse 17. And it came about one day that he was teaching, and there were some Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present for him to perform healing. And behold, some men were carrying on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were trying to bring him in and to set him down in front of him. And not finding any way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down through the tiles, which is stretcher, right in the center in front of Jesus. And seeing their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus, aware of their reasonings, answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins have been forgiven you, or to say, Rise and walk? But in order that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Rise and take up your stretcher and go home. And at once he rose up before them, and he took up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. And they were all seized with astonishment and began glorifying God. They were filled with fear, saying, We have seen remarkable things today. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, it's still early in Jesus' ministry, but he attracts followers from everywhere, and everywhere he goes, they're with him. Crowds overwhelm him as rumors spread. Surely this Nazarene may be the real thing, the Messiah. There are plenty of crosses around with the rotting corpses of those who had claimed to be the Messiah but were not. 
someone invites him into their home. Before you know it, people have rushed in, filling the place to capacity. Among them are the religious leaders and the, the Bible scholars, legal experts, looking to catch him, getting evidence against him. He whispers someone to someone and he heals them. And the others press in more closely. It's stifling, but they want to hear. They want to be next. No one notices these men outside carrying a paralyzed fellow on a makeshift stretcher, or at least they don't acknowledge it. They make no effort to let him get through to Jesus. We were first, they say. Hey, wait your turn. And up front, Jesus continues to touch people, to talk to them, and to encourage them. Then in the ceiling, there's a disturbance. Flash ray of light comes down. It illumines the falling debris, the mud, dried mud and sticks falling from above. And the hole grows. People step back. And it grows larger until finally a man comes down, let down by the blanket, by the hand before Jesus. I remember this story. I was in second grade, and our teacher was Sister Gabriel. She was an ancient old woman in her early 40s. <laughs> she had a shoebox that she was going to illustrate this story with, and she invited us to bring some props the following week. I brought a little green soldier man to be the paralytic. He was crouched down with a rifle, and they thought that was really cool. My friend Bobby Rivers, he went to the neighbor's house and borrowed a plastic Jesus statue that was on the dashboard of his old bullet-nosed Studebaker with a promise to bring it back. We tore a hole in top of the little box. And we let down the soldier man with a popsicle stitch stretcher down, down before the plastic Jesus. And as we lowered it, Sister Gabriel said, Now, boys... You see how that little soldier man depends on you to bring him before the Lord? And the lesson stuck. We all need a little help from our friends now and then. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is there to help us. Romans 8, 26 through 28 says, now listen to this. The moment we get tired of waiting, God's Spirit is right alongside us, helping us along. And if we don't know what or how to pray, look at this. He does our praying in and for us, making out our wordless sighs and our making prayer out of our wordless sighs and our aching groans. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been to where all you could do was make some aching sighs and wordless groans? He makes prayers of those. He knows us far better than we know ourselves, knows our condition, and keeps us present before the Lord. It says that's why we can be so sure that all things work together for those who love the Lord. That's a model for us to follow. The Holy Spirit prays for us, sponsoring us, advocating for us, getting our case before the Lord. And I believe that's what God wants us to do for one another. A couple sang in our choir. They adopted a little boy with some terrible deformities. But they were tickled to death to have a child of their own. And they beamed with joy. 
And the kid was just the apple of their eyes. He could sometimes when I was preaching, he'd, you'd hear him go behind me across the, pulpit, the platform, but nobody minded. He was just pure joy. One night, without warning, this young father had a massive heart attack in his sleep and died. Later at the hospital, early early in the morning. As I stood with his wife by his pale, lifeless body, finally she said goodbye to him and kissed him and was ready to leave. And I said, do you want to have prayer first? Oh, no, Pastor, she said. I may never pray again. She said, I wouldn't know what to say to God when you let this happen. I said, then could I do the praying for us? I'm feeling strong in Christ right now. Could could I pray on our behalf? And we prayed. And I told God all the things she said to me. She was, we're confused. I said, we're angry. We don't know where to turn. We don't know what the future holds. We don't know why. I carried her because she was paralyzed by the events. You do this in your worship service. We mentioned some names this morning. You do it in your Sunday school class, in your Bible studies. You call names and carry them before the Lord. They don't know you're praying for them. They don't know you're calling their name. But you lift them up on eagles' wings and God bears them on the breath of dawn and makes them shine like the the sun and he holds them in the palm of his hand. And God sees your faith. Imperfect as it may be, it somehow gets results. We're anointed and empowered by the Holy Spirit to carry others in faith when they cannot mobilize themselves. Some people cannot or will not acknowledge that Jesus is the answer. And you have to carry them, praying for them and encouraging them. Do you know anybody who has carried you? whose faith sustained you at one time or another. A couple of folks in this congregation I know prayed for me and things happened. Pray for folks like holding up Moses' arms with Aaron and her standing there, holding them up, and as long as the arms were up, the battle was being won. I remember racing around our house. We loved cowboy clothes. You know, I don't know what that was all about during those days. We loved to wear the boots and the hat and had cap guns blazing through our house chasing my brother and some cousins and I heard my name call from inside my mother's bedroom. It wasn't all that unusual. My mother was never shy about getting on her knees with an open Bible by her bed and praying for her children. But I stopped And I remember pressing my ear to the door, my heart pounding from running and everything, trying to hear the particulars that she was mentioning to God this time, hoping to hear what she said about my brothers in case I needed some information later. (laughs) The only thing between the paralyzed men and Jesus was the roof. They were still panning from wrestling this man up on top of the house. And now they have to break through the roof. You have to dig sometimes to break through to Jesus. Was it because their their faith was so perfect? Was it because they, they believed so strongly 
talk about that in a moment. Somebody says, did you hear what Trump said this week? Did you hear what Pelosi said this week? And I'm thinking, maybe we need to turn the TV off. <laughs> you know, in 1963, rioters were burning the cities down. A president was shot. Vietnam raged on crazily. And CBS News had a big debate as to whether there was enough news for Walter Cronkite to go beyond 15 minutes. Now it's 24-7 and a major distraction. In the scripture, when Solomon dedicates the temple, there's, oh, there are all kinds of distractions. There are the great, great golden objects. There's the thick incense. There are the ram's horns playing. The giant choirs singing. But the scripture tells us he broke through all the distractions to pray. Saying, Lord, when we pray for victory, when we pray for healing, when we pray for one another, hear these people's prayers. But you say, well, Daryl, I don't always feel like praying when I get to church. I sometimes feel depleted. I may not feel like praying those prayers or singing those hymns. You know, as a young pastor, I used to think that meeting people at the front door was a really good idea. But you see stuff that may be a little distracting. You can tell when a couple's had an argument. She gets out first. She always gets out first. Puts her purse up high and walks high on those high heels as fast as she can toward the door. And you see the children following like little ducklings. And last of all comes the man. Morning, Pastor. You know all is not well. Maybe just had a hard week. A difficult time. You're just here hoping something good will happen. And when you sing the songs and you don't feel like it, when you pray the prayers and you don't feel it, that's why we do it together. Because we're doing it for you until you're better. When the men came down through the hole, Jesus said, because, the scripture says, when he saw their faith. Now it doesn't say when he saw the man's faith. Notice that? When he saw their faith. It does not mean they had absolute faith. Or confidence, confidence that Jesus was going to heal the man. No, folks, some questions and doubts are just part of being human. I'll bet one of them said, you know, you go tearing up a hole in this roof and it's just going to cost somebody a whole lot of money. I guarantee you one of them said, at least one of them said, we never did it this way before. But Jesus saw their determination, their resolve on their friend's behalf. And that made the difference. He told the man, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees, oh, wait, whoa, hold on a second. Nobody forgives sins but God. But you see, Jesus connects our spiritual and physical well-being with our being released from guilt of the past. Whether it's a simple spat with your spouse or long-held resentment towards someone, unresolved conflict can go a whole lot deeper than you may realize. It can affect your physical health and paralyze your faith. The folk at Mayo Clinic said, forgiving someone is good for your health. 
And the person is good for the person you happen to forgive. It lowers the risk of heart attack, improving sleep, reducing blood pressure, anxiety, and stress. No wonder Jesus said first, your friends, your sins are forgiven. Jesus saw that the man's past was a distraction for him. He needed to get beyond it. So he said, it's a new day for you now. We too easily let the news or what someone has said to us or done to us become distractions. Jesus said, I'm giving you my peace, so do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. He said, the world, in another place, the world did not give you this peace, but we too easily let the world take it away from us. It's a distraction. Folks, people are depending on you today to hold up their arms in cosmic battle that rages in their lives. People are depending on you today to do the work of bringing, of digging, and bringing them before the Lord when they're paralyzed by circumstances and just immobile. But God sees your faith today. Tiny as it may feel, like a little mustard seed, it's enough for God to do great things. Or is it you this morning, standing in the need of prayer? God has seen the faith of those who hold you up. And a new day is coming to you. So pray. Pray like it makes a difference. Pray for mountains to move. Isaiah 65, 24 says, And it shall be that even before you call, I will answer you. And while you are yet speaking, I will hear you. Would you pray with me now? Merciful God, we sense your powerful presence in this place. We ask you to touch those who are here who are going through a difficult time. We bear them up to you in prayer right now. As the Spirit advocates for them, so do we also, knowing a new day is coming for each of them, for their past is healed and their future is bright.